Good morning, Horners. It's Dave here. And we have finally finished the wrap-up show. Join me, Mr. Drew Bunting, Ted Iron Ass Glover, and the Grand Poobah himself, Mr. Christopher Gates, from the Daily Norseman as we go over what we think about the 2020 draft class. Who are your favorites? Find out in the show. Let us know, too. Let's go! The gang is back. We have recovered from draft weekend, and everybody is here to do our post-draft show wrap-up. On my immediate side right there, holding up his Paul Krause jersey, is the man, the myth, Mr. Drew Bunting. How you doing, Drew? Beautiful, man. How you guys doing? Good, good. Good, doing well here in California. Oh, yeah. Is it warmed up yet? It's going, outside, going to do something outside today. I looked at Ruben and said, how the hell do you tie your shoes again? Fuck, I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tie my shoes. I just went out barefoot. Awesome. I'm good. It's hot. It's 100 degrees already. We're starting up the heat wave in, in Sacramento. Cool. Also joining <laughs> us from California, but probably better weather because he's on the coast. The Grand right. Poobah of Daily Norseman himself. Mr. Christopher Gates. How you doing, Chris? I am doing swell, Dave, and uh, I hope everyone else is doing all right. And yeah, it took a, took a little time to recover from the uh, gigantic draft class this past uh, weekend. But yeah, I think we all finally made it through. So that that's a positive. It is a positive. And yeah. last and certainly not least, the great, the one and only, Mr. Ted Glover. How you doing, Ted? Gentlemen, if I was any better, I'd be against the law. Let's light this candle. Let's go. Now we're off. Now we're off and running. Now we're off and running. First off, I want to thank everybody that watched us on our three days of live broadcast of your NFL draft. It was fabulous. You guys did great. We loved interacting with you online. And we appreciate all the good comments we received after the shows. It was awesome. And we look forward to more stuff like that in the future. Anyways. Does three, does three days qualify as a bender? I'm not sure what the, uh, I would think the so. proper terminology for age, <laughs> At our age, a day and a half qualifies as a bender. It, was, right, it used, to be, right. used to be seven, then it went to five. Then it went to, yeah. We pulled the bender. We went full bender. John Bender, baby. It was 17 and a half hours of live broadcast. Oh, man. That man, was you amazing. Know, I, I walked up the stairs Saturday afternoon with a, when round seven was over. And uh, and my wife looks at me and she says, you look kind of tired. I said, I said, baby, I haven't had a case of iron ass this bad since I was doing 10 and 12 hour missions in Afghanistan. <laughs> Jeez. 
Well, I was so sore. I was so freaking sore. <laughs> I had like a bed sore on my butt. Shit. I got up, walked into the kitchen. I'm like drenched in sweat. And it feels like somebody beat my ass with a two by four. My wife walks into it. What's wrong? I go, God damn, man, that was tough. Yeah. That was tough. That was tough. That was tough. We also had some nice guests that joined us from the network. Mr. Matt, uh, Tyler, and the great Flip Mozzie. And they we appreciate them coming on and they did a great job. Yeah, Matt was with us all day Saturday, just about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Uh, Tyler was with us a good portion of uh Friday, Friday night. I yeah, think. that was that was good. That, they were good. That was quality. Quality. You don't you know, you didn't tune in to watch us because you know you know our stick. It's it's stupid yeah. dad jokes and and, and cutting <laughs> You got the real analysis you got from our guests, but we were happy to we were happy to hang out and do it. I think we uh, hopefully we entertained you, informed you, and I, I I know I had a good time. It was a great time. Yeah, yeah. Those guys had some knowledge, man. Matt Matt they had some background knowledge and prospect knowledge and old Foo Fighters. He only took three breaks too. I was keeping track of his union breaks. <laughs> I was gonna let him take any more breaks, and I'll, dude, you gotta stay here. I don't have the information you have, dude. No, no. Tell me about that third string tackle from Stockholm State or some shit. And he did. He did. Yeah. And he knew. Great. Yeah. I didn't even know that college existed, much less the player. They were. Uh, yeah, he and he and Tyler, and everything went really well. I mean, we didn't. Uh, we just kind of wing it. That's what we did for the second straight year, and I was happy with everybody's. And right when I start getting a little bit fatigued, one of you guys would he Chris Gates would throw me some van down by the river or something would get me rolling again. So I appreciate you guys picking me up when I was feeling a little bit. It's it's tiring. It is tiring going through all that. And you know yeah. about Tulane? That's a great school. <laughs> so so somebody gave. I understand. Somebody, somebody talked about during the draft, somebody from Tulane, and I mentioned a guy from Tulane. Then we mentioned Mwelde Moore. Remember the great Viking? He was from Tulane. Yeah. And we were talking about it, and uh, me and Matt are throwing stuff back and forth. And then like, a bunch of picks went by, and we are on to something else. And you all, hear, all of a sudden, after 45 minutes, you hear Dave go, Hey, Matt, hey! And then something else about Tulane. And I started busting <laughs> up to him. <laughs> and another thing. Oh, right. <laughs> He was looking at stats at old Tulane players, and I'm thinking, now we're over the edge. We have gone over the edge. <laughs> well, this is a draft recap. The Vikings set a record. In the modern era of the draft, they drafted 15 players, and our first one was a wide receiver at pick 22, Mr. Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Mr. Gates, what did you think of that pick? I was pretty happy with it, actually. I mean, I don't think any of us expected Jefferson to be there at 22, especially with the Eagles sitting there at 21, also needing a receiver. But, you know, they decided they would pass on Jefferson for a receiver that's not as good as Jefferson is, which was nice of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a pretty outstanding pick. I mean, it was probably the biggest deficiency on the roster, uh, one of the two biggest, at least, if you put up there with corner. And you know, they decided they wanted to fill it right away. Everyone talked about how deep the draft class was at wide receiver, and the Vikings just said, hell with it. We're going to go get our guy right away and not worry about, you know, who falls to round two or round three. So, yeah, I, I was pretty happy with the pick, to be honest. Good. Ted, did you like it? Uh, yeah. Um, I Really, not much to add with what Chris said. Nobody expected him to be there. 
uh, kind of surprising. The, the Eagles picked uh, Rieger. Um, Rieger, that's it. I wanted to say Aguilar, but uh, Rieger. Yeah, they picked Rieger at, at 21. And, and I, I thought, I think we all thought that's who the Eagles were going to take. And uh, they were going to take Jefferson. So when, when he was still around, man, I couldn't have been happier. And then, you know, they rolled into the, uh, after the trade down, they still got the top cornerback on, on the board in, in Gladney at 31. I, yeah, I can't, I, I really can't complain with uh, anything the Vikings did probably the first two days of the draft, actually. I mean, the Thursday and Friday, I thought they, I thought they just, they killed it. Their, their first four picks, I thought they killed. Well, in a good way. Drew, Ted let in the Gladney. What did you think of the Gladney pick quarterback corner after <clears throat> Spielman traded back, like we discussed a little bit in the first round, got a few more picks, and got still the corner they were targeting? I think the two corners that fit best into the Viking system were, were Jalen Johnson and uh, Gladney. And I think Johnson went second or third. I can't remember where Johnson went. But Gladney, you know, with his tackling skills and, you know, I was even more happy after Chris started reading the information on Dantzler. I was even more excited about him also. I mean, Ooh, he, had a lot, he had a lot of uh, good qualities himself. But Gladney was one of the top guys on the board. Everybody had him going as the first round. I think the Vikings wanted a bit. That's who they wanted at 25. And when you can trade back and still get the guy you wanted, isn't that what everybody's trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. they played it. They played it really well. Now, I think if they, if they pushed it back any further than 31, I, I think he was going to go. I don't think he would have got him. So not only was it a smart trade back, the distance of trade back also was, I think, pretty crucial. And it was done very well. So I was really happy with Gladney. I think he'll work out fine. Uh, like I said, we're still kind of researching all these players, but you know, Justin Jefferson, guys, 111 catches and 18 touchdowns. You can't say the guy doesn't know what he's doing out there. I mean, even if you're on LSU and you have Joe Burrow as your quarterback, those are pretty staggering numbers for college football, 111 catches. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's proven that he could do I watched more tape after the draft. The guy is just smooth, doesn't panic on his routes. He's... He is not going to be treated up Treadwell. I have a full confidence with <laughs> well, that. So. Well, from what I've heard and read and seen, he is that security blanket for Burroughs. He doesn't drop hardly anything. He's always, hey, if nobody's open, I'm throwing it his direction, and he catches everything. So, Well, something we had talked about pre-draft meeting, all of us, was we needed two starters with our first two picks. Are these guys both going to be starting week one, whenever that may be? What do you think? I think so. I mean, if you look at the corner spot, I mean, right now, Mike Hughes is the veteran of the cornerback group, and that that guy can't that guy can't stay healthy for more than you know ten minutes at a time. So, I mean, you you look at the cornerback depth chart. You've got Hughes, you've got Hill, you've got Chris Boyd, you've got Dantzler, you've got Gladney. I mean, Gladney's one of the top three corners, and with as much nickel as the Vikings and everyone else in the NFL plays now, he, he's going to see a lot of time, I think. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. And now with picking Gladney and Dantzler, nicknamed the needle because he's tall and skinny, but he shut down just about everybody in the SEC. How does that make you feel now about the depth at 
corner that we have. We may not have all the experience we like, but what do you think about the depth? Ted? Um, I'll tell you, I'm, it's still concerning. I mean, Mike, Mike Hughes in two years uh, has had a torn ACL, and then he had a neck injury at the very end of last year. I, I read, I think it was before the draft, that he's, he's healthy. He'll be ready to go for OTAs and mini camps when all that ever happens. But like Chris said, you, you've got um, you got Holton Hill, you got you got Hughes, um, you got Gladney. Who's your who's your dime guy right now? Well, could your dime guy be the big nickel type, and we may have drafted him later on day three, Mister Troy Die, a linebacker. See, I would I would argue it's Dantzler, but but could that's be, just me. Could be Dantzler too. I, I mean, it's it's better. You, you put in two big bodies that that are are good players, uh, but you know, like you alluded to, David, it's not it's not so much the depth. They've got bodies. It's it's the experience. You know, by all accounts, Zimmer's uh, Zimmer's defense is difficult to learn for guys in the secondary for whatever reason. Um, and and you're gonna have a steep learning curve not only for. Gladney and Cam and Cam Dantzler, but it's still a learning curve for Hill. It's still a learning curve for Hughes because he's missed so much time. I I, I just I, I hope I hope fans are are aware of this and and as we go three or four games into the season and you're I hope you're not expecting to see you know 2016 Xavier Rhodes back there or even 2018. Trey Wayne's back there. I, I don't know that that's going to happen right away. And, and it's going to take a while for them to get used to Mike Zimmer's system and the, and the speed of the NFL. We'll see. But will they be better than 2019 Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayne's? No idea until they play. <laughs> right. Yeah. I suspect they will. And as Mike Zimmer talked about a youth movement and Spielman talked about evolution and all those key buzzwords that they used, they did get younger. And I think since so many spots were lost on the defense, I feel the 2020 version will be out, they'll be reinvigorated and out to prove something. And I think that's an attitude that was lacking over the last two years because everybody was just so familiar with each other. So, I'm looking at the positive side. I hope that's the case, and I hope they're out there to make a name for themselves and do. So Dave Stefano is on record as say, saying losing all that experience is a net plus for the Vikings. I think it will be. <laughs> well, I, I, I tell you one thing. I, hey, hey, I, Xavier I, Rhodes I, ain't going to do it. Trey Wayne's ain't going to do it. I'd be more ready to, to – uh, uh, agree with David Stefano if we actually had some time to get these guys out in minicamp and pr- actually practice. Without that, I mean, yeah, it's even going to be a tougher chore, isn't yeah. it? Having all these young guys running around. And, I mean, if you miss all that time, it's really that's really going to be holy shit. That's a tough. T- that's a tough haul, man. But I I think it helps. I know the cornerback depth chart is really young right now. It helps that they got a couple guys back there and Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. They're going to make sure that they know what the hell's going on and that they're in the right places and stuff. And yeah, I, I would be a lot more scared if those two guys weren't back there at safety, 
I mean, I'm still all, – all we did last year was bitch about the cornerback play and how terrible it was, and now it's more or less, you know, are, are we going to be better or worse with the guys that haven't been tested yet or the guys that were tested last year and, for the most part, look pretty bad? So, I mean, I'm not saying they're necessarily going to be better, but I, I definitely think the potential is there. Now, let's move on to day two. Day two was another good day, as Ted mentioned. We drafted with our first pick in the second round, Ezra Cleveland, tackle out of Boise State, who could start week one. And I made an argue with that, argument for that on a quick shot video earlier last week. What do you guys think of Ezra Cleveland, Drew? Well... He certainly has a chance to chance to be the starter. I mean, there again, you're asking a young guy to come in and play left tackle. That's a, I don't think he's going to start week one like you do. I, you're a little bit more optimistic than me. I know he's better with the speed guys off the edge, which gives me what uh, Matt mentioned during during the draft show. How much you know, Reese probably better with the bull rush, but Cleveland's a lot better with the speed guys. And the speed guys is what scares me with defenses with your tackles. Uh, I think it's a good pick just for the sake that we're going to need a tackle somewhere down the line, whether he's there ready to start week one or whether he starts. Remember O'Neal was thrown in there like week, what, five or six or seven middle of the season. (laughs) Well, even if he doesn't start, even if he doesn't start the season over there at left tackle or whatever happens with Reef, it seems to me that we're going to have our guy for 2021. So we got a guy that's going to be the guy. I mean, without, I know for his, that doesn't really make a lot of sense in depth prospect <laughs> breaking him down, but you know what I mean. I think he, he moves really well. I think he's got the attitude to play left tackle, and he's already feeling familiar with uh, Madison being on the team, his old roommate at Boise State, so that he has a little bit of a connection there. But uh, I like the fact that we took a tackle where somebody's going to be into the future. I like that move better than Trent Williams, even though people are going to disagree with me. I always like getting younger for the team, so... Um, you're a little bit more optimistic about having him be a week one starter. I don't think he's going to be ready week one. That's a, that's a man. That's a tough position in the NFL to come in and start for a rookie, no matter how good you are. It's tough. Well, I agree. It's just that I think we talk about the lack of OTAs, right. And off season stuff. And yes, they're not having it. We're hoping that, you know, camp opens up on time end of July and August. And we don't even know if that's going to happen. But with the lack of that, I foresee simpler defensive and offensive play calls and responsibilities so that these young guys can achieve that. And then over time, they will develop into the complexities that is the Zimmer defense or the Kubiak offense. And I think that straight out the get-go, for me, Cleveland, it's worth starting. Yeah, there's going to be first-year stuff, but it's worth, I, I think it's, worth the start. It's important to also note, I think the Vikings had him targeted and they got him. Mm-hmm. They had Jefferson targeted, got him. They had Gladney targeted, got him. That was their guys. And I think Ezra Cleveland was right in there as mm-hmm. being a target for the Vikings. So their first three picks were guys they wanted. And I think that's important. And there were rumors about Cleveland wanting to take Ezra Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns wanting to take Ezra Cleveland uh, in in the first round, I think. I mean, his 
his stock really went up in the last two weeks, three weeks, maybe mm-hmm. leading up to the draft for, for whatever reason. It happens every year. So, yeah, that's good point, Drew. I, I, I think they they got the guys they wanted, and I, I think the draft board fell in those first three rounds about as perfectly as you could want it to if if you were Rick Spielman and the Vikings. I do hope that if the Vikings play Cleveland early, that they play him at left tackle and don't try to do this crap where they're like, oh, let's play him at guard for a while and see how he does. No. That's the, the guy they got the guy started 40 games at a top 25 college football program at left tackle. If you're going to play the dude, play the dude at left tackle and move somebody else, you know, so you could develop him at that spot. I mean, you know, we're, we're taking centers and we're moving them to guard and we're taking guards and we're moving them to the, Play the dude at left tackle if you're going to play him. Do do something with somebody else, but play dude at left tackle for the long term. Don't move Brian O'Neill because that will suck too. He, he's entrenched at right tackle. But yeah, if you're going to play Ezra Cleveland early, play him at left tackle. And just just let let him let him learn on the job, basically. I guess. Do we have an amen emoji? Because I'm going to throw it up <laughs> on that statement right there. That's a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, thank you. Stop moving the O line around. We don't need musical O line chairs. No. Next Ted, pick, Ted, Ted used to get so angry about that last year. <laughs> Our next pick on day two was Cameron Dantzler, the needle. We've discussed him. He's a nice, tall, I think six foot two corner. He's skinny, but he'll put on weight. But he kept up and shut down everybody in the SEC. So he adds depth. That's a great thing. Then we go into day three of this long marathon. <laughs> And we draft DJ Wanham out of South Carolina State. South Carolina. South Carolina. South Carolina. Wrong school. (laughs) Um, What do you think of him? Did you think any of the day three guys have a chance to start? Other than the past teams. For... I, I for for DJ I want him to be good. I knew it. I <laughs> knew coming, man. I knew him. I never even heard of him. <laughs> so the the uh, the fourth round guys, Wanham Lynch and Troy Die. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, those were arguably, but Wanham I think was probably taken early if you look at all the draft boards comparatively and everything else. But, but when you look at, at those guys, they needed an edge guy. They needed uh, Lynch, who's who, out of Baylor, who's going to be their three technique or mm-hmm. probably be in the rotation for three technique, and they needed a three technique guy. And then they got Troy Dye, and, and I was, I was kind of patting myself on the back because I said, hey, with, with uh, Dom Capers coming on, on the staff, it wouldn't surprise me in the mid-rounds if the Vikings picked a linebacker so they can do some, some three, four looks for blitzes or, or whatever. I I don't think they're going away from from Zimmer's base defense, but I think they are going to throw some three four wrinkles in there. And if and if you go with that line of thinking, I think Troy Die was a really good pick there. So, um, yeah, I, again, and and if you'll notice, that was like after Cleveland, they went one two three four five defensive picks in a row um, with Dantzler, Wanham, Lynch, Die, and then and then. Harrison Hand in the in the fifth round, but yeah, those fourth round guys, all defensive dude, all positions of need, and I I don't know that any of them are going to start, but I think uh, Wanham and Lynch for sure will play, at least in their defensive rotation. 
I'll, I'll throw out the uh, tailgate master spicy hot take of the uh, of the evening here. I think Lynch is your day one starter at the three technique. Okay. Really? I think, wow. I, I think. Look at look at who he's got. I mean, like I said, Shamar Stefan has busted his tail and gotten to where he is, but he's not a three tech. He's not. And I don't, no. I don't know who else he has to compete against, but I mean, that guy was the Big 12 defensive player of the year, led the Big 12 in sacks from the defensive tackle position. I, I think you put him next to Michael Pierce at the nose and put him in the middle of that defense. I think he's, honest to God, got a chance to start week one at, at, okay. the, at the three tech spot. <clears throat> I mean, maybe... Maybe I'm wrong. God knows I've been wrong about. No, you know what? You know what? When we get done with the show, go boot up some YouTube on Lynch, and it'll 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 strengthen it'll strengthen it'll strengthen your argument. The first the first time I saw him play, I had the stats next to me, and I was watching his tape, and I was thinking, thirteen freaking sacks from the defensive tackle position. I don't care what conference you're playing in. That's unheard of. You don't get thirteen attacks from the sacks from the interior, but he's all over the place. He was all over the place, and he just looks like, man, it's hard to watch his tape and think he won't be a starter week one. Uh, Even though that's a, that is a spicy hot take. He's a good player. He's a really I, good player. I, w- I would just like to say that, that Christopher Gaist just graduated uh, summa cum laude from the David Stefano uh, Masters School <laughs> of Optimism. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. God, God knows. God knows Dave's out there on the island often enough all by himself. <laughs> Fuck it off. I'll, I'll tag along for I'll tag along for this. Hey, he's he, he hey. out there. We, ne- we never throw him a life raft either. We just laugh and drive by on the boat. Yeah, I'm, as long as I keep stocked in beer, I'm good. Chris, I love your take. And everybody that's watching, you heard it here first. Lynch mob. Unless it's wrong, then you didn't hear it at all. <laughs> all right. we'll delete I would love you to that guy to yeah. Well, we had uh, out of that that center picks. We had quarterback Harrison Hand, who, from what I'm being told, will probably be made a safety. Go back in the safety depth, which I'm cool with. Then we got wide receiver KJ Osborne out of Miami. He's a little special, and not in a short bus way, but just a little special. Because of the fact we're going to get kicked off of you. Oh, here we go. Wow. Did he just see the short class play? <laughs> he did. He did. And, uh, oh, stop him. Take over the show. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little uh, special because we're drafting him as a kick returner and a punt returner primarily. And, of course, special teams. Well, we are love him anyways. So, so, obviously, you meant special teams. That's right. Uh, I did. Special teams, of course. <laughs> Love him anyway. Right. <laughs> anyway, then we go on to our seventh rounders, six and seventh wait, rounders. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't Harrison Hand a safety? He's a corner? I thought he was a safety. He played corner in college, but they're going to move him into safety. They've I thought he seven. was a safety. Oh, okay. <laughs> Either way. Then we go on our sixth and seventh rounders. We got another offensive lineman, Blake Brandle, who in Big round bus. six. Yeah. At Oregon State, and they think they could do something with him. Safety, Josh Metellus. Let's see the helmet. I don't know where the helmet Oh, here it is. <laughs> Ted doesn't want to see the helmet. Josh Metellus from you know what? Michigan. <clears throat> he, he needs to, a lot of coaching because he's out of position a lot. But uh, 
Yeah, he is. <laughs> if he can get coached up, if he can get coached up and told what to do and not to try to be so improvisational, he, he kind of does his own thing in the secondary when he wants. And a lot of times it paid off, but I think the times that it paid off and he got he got an interception, he was in the right position to get an interception when he wasn't supposed to be in that position. He, it made him do it more. So he's very undisciplined. Um, so I don't even, I don't know how that's going to turn out because if you have an attitude like that, sometimes that works good though. I mean, Ronnie Lott didn't listen to anybody when he got to the Niners. So we'll see. Then we got defensive end Kenny. <laughs> and a lot of these later guys were team captains. They went with a theme. I think it was like seven out of the 11 or nine out of the 11 were team captains. Willie Key was one of them. But the kid has a motor that just doesn't that stop. Thing. And he overachieves in everything he does. So I, he, I view him as a special teamer straight off the get-go. Any observation, objection? I mean, He's my, the, way, my, the way the Vikings like to rotate their defensive linemen, I mean, there's an opportunity he could be more. I mean, as long as Andre Patterson is coaching defensive linemen for the Minnesota Vikings, I think they could take just about anybody and make them into something potentially solid. But, you know... He was he was two team your two time uh, first team All Big Ten uh, and I believe 2018 he was the uh, Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year so I mean you know the talent's there so well, it's there I, mean, I, I I was I was surprised that he lasted all the way to the seventh round he could be one of those guys that you know the Vikings have had some success with seventh rounders you look at guys like Weatherly and Curse and dudes like that he could be the next guy that you know they take late and he actually uh, contributes so well, yeah he's got. Stephen, yeah. yeah. I mean, people give Rick Spielman crap for stockpiling seventh-round picks, but you know, dude hits on more of them than I think a lot of other a lot GMs. Of GMs hit on. Yeah. And, and and I would argue a defensive lineman, no matter what round they go to, if they're going to the Minnesota the Minnesota Vikings, uh, with um, the, the defensive line coach, and it's Andre Patterson. Andre Patterson, thank you. Jeez. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, Andre Patterson, I, I, w- I would challenge you to find a better developer of college talent into NFL talent on the defensive line in the NFL than, than Andre Patterson. Look at the guys he's taken throughout however many years he's been with the Vikings. Everson Griffin was a fourth rounder. The Neil Hunter was a third rounder with absolutely no production or stats in, at, at LSU. I remember draft when he was drafted, everybody was going, who? And, and look at how he's turned him into a. Uh, and all pro. Uh, Shamar Stephan, Chris talked about him earlier. Odenigbo, who came in to essentially become the starter after Everson Griffin, if, if, whether or not they bring Griffin back now that, you know, the draft and all that's over. I mean, so, yeah, and, and Willikis, and there were, we were talking about him on, on Saturday on our draft show, Drew. You brought him up, and, and he's one of those guys that you just, when he played at Michigan State, he, he was one of those dudes that just, when a great play was made, a tackle for loss, he was almost always there. And I thought to myself, how did this guy last until the seventh round? But the Vikings got him, so yay, good. I, I had watched him play because we watched a lot of Big Ten, even when our Big Ten teams aren't playing. Uh, and and Ruby even said, she goes, I remember that name. And I go, when we drafted, the Vikings took him. She goes, I remember you standing up at the TV and saying, somebody goddamn block Willikus. Because that guy, <laughs> screen pass, gets the tackle, quarterback sack, gets plugs the hole, gets 
stops the tailback, sacks the quarterback, bats down the pass. He's back in the flat again. He's stopping the bubble screen. He's rushing from the interior. They got him outside linebacker. Willikus, he's my favorite draft pick. And I tell you right now, you want to have that guy freelancing. You don't want to just set him up. I think that's what the Vikings like about him, and that's what Patterson's going to do is turn him loose. He is just a freelance go-to-the-ball guy. He knows where the plays are going to be. I'm telling you. He was all over the place. He was all over the in, in baseball, do you guys remember a, a guy by the name of David Eckstein? He played for the Angels and the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. He, he was like a pest. If he wasn't on your team, if he wasn't on your team, you hate him. He was like Mark Lemke in the 1991 World Series, Braves against the Twins. He, yeah. he, he just, he just, everything he did just annoyed you because he did it so well. And and you're like, why can't you stop this guy? Look at me, you should, you should stop this guy. And there he's making another play. Lemke with another double. Eckstein with a single. And, and But if he's on your team, you love the guy because he does whatever he needs to do to make the roster and make a play. And I, I love I love guys like that. Those late-round guys that just have that that real um, chip on their shoulder and and you overlook me and you're going to regret it kind of thing. I, I, I think Drew's right. He's... he's a really, if there's a seventh round draft pick that's going to make it, I think it's going to be Willikus. But that's just me. It's a great yeah. comparison with Lemke because that's what Willikus was doing to my Wolverines. It's like, fuck, oh, stop that guy, <laughs> stop him. Or, he's, or in a basketball game, he's the guy tipping the ball away, he's making yes. a big play. It's like he was all over the place for Michigan State, and I too am surprised because of his motor and because he has instincts. That's the word I was thinking of. Some guys just know where the play's going. You know what? Like, yeah. like. Uh, Chad Greenway had Studwell. Remember, Studwell was always around the ball. And I'm not saying Willikus is Studwell, but some guys just can see plays before they're happening. They could sense a screen. They could sense a twitch on the offensive lineman and get through the gap. He's got that stuff, man. And he's gonna he's gonna blow some people up. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that's my spicy hot take. Willikus or not. There you go. <laughs> cool. <laughs> the last three in the seventh round, I'll save one for the very end. We got another safety for depth, Brian Cole out of Mississippi State. And we got a guard, Kyle Hinton, which I like. I think this kid has a chance to develop and be a good option or depth for the team. But the final one, a few picks earlier, was quarterback Nate Stanley out of Iowa. The first quarterback that has been drafted by Rick Spielman since Teddy Bridgewater. That's why you wanted to bring him up. Go ahead. <laughs> Go, Teddy. Anyways. Um, I see Nate Stanley as competing with Jake Browning for that third QB spot. Does anybody see anything different? Anything different? Is yeah, that Kubi, yeah, because yeah. Kubiak's ra- Kubiak raved over, over Stanley, and I'm like, I don't see it. The, the only reason Kubiak raved over Nate Stanley is because the only footage he watched was Iowa's 55-24 beatdown of Ohio State two or three years ago, whenever it was. I was at that game. It was miserable. Yeah. Anyways, I absolutely agree, though. Um, Jake Browning is a bag of meh to me. I, I mean, the, the one thing I, I will say about Nate Stanley, when he plays a good game, when he and he did, he played a lot of good games at Iowa. You, you'd think to yourself, he can make all the throws he's going to play on Sunday, but but then next week he go go out against 
you know, like, like a putrid Indiana defense mm-hmm. and, and go 11 to 26 for 184, a touchdown and three picks or whatever it was. I mean, he was so inconsistent. That's Nate Stanley's problem. If, if, if they can get him consistently okay, the guy can play in the league. He's, he's got the physical talent to play in the league. He just needs to play consistently. And I, I would argue that's Jake Browning's issue too. So, yeah, I would 100% agree that, that the, the third QB spot is, is up for grabs. I mean, I, I thought Iowa had basically started the same guy at quarterback since Chuck Long graduated. I mean, <laughs> just, they just wrote, they just rotate a dude's name on the back of the jersey or whatever. But uh, you, you make the Browning comparison, and you know, Brown, Browning's always been a little weird to me because he had, I think it was his sophomore year at Washington. He was just, he was incredible his sophomore year. He was getting Heisman Trophy votes and whatnot. He was the talk of the town. He was top three yeah. in the country. And, and then, and then his last two years at Washington, he just you know, completely fell off the table and wound up going to, you know, undrafted free agent status. So, I mean, I, I I think I mentioned this during one of the days of the draft broadcast. I wanted the Vikings to address the backup quarterback position a hell of a lot earlier than they did. And, you know, for some reason, you know, Sean Mannion is still going to be the number two quarterback going into this season. And, you know, if, if, if Kirk Cousins gets hurt, we're four and 12. It, it doesn't matter. But I mean, I, you know, I, I don't Tank I don't for know Trevor, baby. No. <laughs> I give that until about week four. We'll, we'll, we'll start hearing that. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the point, you know, trying to hopefully get the Vikings a long-term answer at quarterback. Because, I mean, they tried with Bridgewater and he got hurt. They tried with Culpepper and he got hurt. And, you know, the rest of the guys in Vikings quarterback history have been a lot of stop gaps and, you know, fixing the position with, you know, duct tape and chicken wire and whatnot. And, you know, I would like the Vikings to, you know, kind of subscribe to the Patriots theory of, you know, take a quarterback somewhere every year until you finally hit one and then, you know, continue taking quarterbacks every year until you hit on a backup or flip a guy for like a second round pick or whatever. But, you know, wait, waiting until late on day three to address the quarterback position, it, I didn't like it, but I, I understand how, why they did it with all the other guys. They they got at the spots they got them at. Well, everybody, that wraps up the draft. The Vikings also selected another dozen UDFAs. Uh, we can get that into those guys at a later time. Because there's probably one, two, maybe even three that might make the squad, but we'll see. We'll wrap this puppy up. Any last words? And thanks for joining us, Chris. Not a problem, Dave. I mean, you know, I, I, like I said, I enjoyed the heck out of the two days of the draft I did with y'all. I was just way too busy on Saturday to uh, to jump in like I wanted to. But you know, it, it's this, this is a heck of a lot of fun. I mean, this this is this might be the most fun I have doing the uh, doing coverage of the Vikings and whatnot. So, you know, anytime you guys want to have me, just let me know, and I will I will find a way to uh, to make it here. Drew, any last words? Uh, yeah, this is kind of like my vacation. I mean, everybody, after the Super Bowl and the season end, everybody kind of takes time off then, but I got all the draft stuff to do. So now that the draft's over, this is kind of my time to, uh, well, who am I kidding? I've been sitting around the house for years. I don't do anything. <laughs> um, I hope the football season is right on schedule. I know the schedules are coming out this week. 
Um, I'd like, I can't wait to see all these, see all these draft picks pan out and I'd like to, uh, make sure the schedule gets started. The season gets started to see how it works out. And I'd rather have Paul Stanley from kiss than Nate Stanley. To be honest with you. <laughs> and your favorite exit line. Meow, meow, Viking cow. All hail Butterbean. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, last words? I liked, I liked what the Vikings did. I was very skeptical skeptical going into the draft that they could address all their needs uh, with players they were targeting, and they seem to have done that. It's still a little bit worried about, about the experience, but I, I don't think there's any question that the Vikings got a lot better on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, than than they were sitting at, you know, the Monday and Tuesday before the draft. And I, I'm I'm going to make a prediction. By the way, I, this is kind of breaking on Twitter. Uh, multiple folks on on Twitter are saying that uh, spring training part two for Major League Baseball will start June 10th. July 1st will be opening day. Really? All teams and all teams will be playing at their home stadiums. So if Sweet. that's if that turns out to be true, uh, NFL no, no fans though, right? I I don't know. If they do, I'm sure it'll be social distancing. I haven't heard anything about that. But if if that's what Major League Baseball is going to do, NFL is going to be full bore go. Absolutely. Cool. That's what I like to hear. I like to hear full bore go. (laughs) Three good words. (laughs) Full bore go. Once again, I want to thank everybody for watching. Please, everybody. Please share with everybody. Uh, We appreciate. Talk to us. We love the community we're developing. Remember to subscribe, like, hit the bell, make sure you do all that stuff. By all means, go!